guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on the podcast, and I really enjoyed this one, was Tanisha Jackson-Warner, who is an award-winning multicultural marketing expert, a purpose-driven entrepreneur and author. Her latest book is called The Big Stretch, which is 90 days to expand your dreams, crush your goals, and create your own success. I really enjoyed this conversation with Tanisha because not only is she an excellent communicator, but she actually has very practical and actionable ways that you can integrate her advice into your life. Uh, She gives uh, these tests on her website where you can even pick the kind of dreamer you are and then help you figure out what your next move and step is. She created also, she's the founder of the Dream Project Symposium, and that's an annual empowerment conference that helps thousands of entrepreneurs, creatives, and career dreamers plan and achieve their goals. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. It's filled with some amazing information to really help you level up your life. I promise you. Enjoy. So today we have Tanisha Jackson-Warner, who is the CEO of the Agami Group and the author of the book, The Big Stretch. Uh, And we're going to jump right in, Tanisha. Are you ready? All right, let's do this. And thank you so much, Jennifer, for having me. No, absolutely. I was just saying uh, to Tanisha offline that she's an, she's an amazing communicator and she really lands the plane. She gets to the point. She has very succinct messages. So I'm really excited that you're on the, on the podcast because I think that you, I think the people listening can glean a lot of really practical, relevant information. If it's somebody who's uh, a dreamer, someone who's changing careers, who wants to like kind of fulfill whatever their life purpose is, you're a great person to have on the podcast. So let's first start with the book title, right? The Big Stretch. What exactly does that mean? (laughs) The Big Stretch. Okay. So I define the stretch as the expansion that will be required of you to meet the best version of yourself. Another way to look at it is the expansion outside of your comfort zone and moving in the direction of your dreams. So one thing that I found in speaking with hundreds of iconic dreamers, all of them had one universal truth. In order to achieve that dream, they had to be willing to stretch and expand outside of their comfort zone and in the direction of their dreams. Well, that's okay. So let me start by saying, what is the first step though towards turning your dream into a reality. Because you, I know that we're going to get into this. I know your whole thing is about following that dream. And, and you even have a quiz that people can take to, to see what, they, where, what kind of art, there's like, archa- you have a, like archetypes of different dreamers, right? Yes. So I, I loved it. I took the quiz, by the way. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Ooh. But yes. Uh, <laughs> but to start... How, how does someone start? I think the hardest part for people is the start, right? They're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest? So, Jennifer, the way that I approached this book was um, from two directions. Number one, I am a dreamer at heart. Um, and I've been on a dream journey for about 18 years now. Um, so I was able to use my key learnings of just 
manifesting dream after dream after dream. And then the second thing that I did, I analyzed all of these dreamers that I interviewed by way of the dream project. And I really tried to find a dreamer's blueprint. And so the steps that I'm going to share with you, they are the universal truths that I found after speaking with these dreamers, but also after living it personally myself. So phase one is giving yourself the time to dream and imagine. And so Jennifer, what I found is a lot of people were so busy that we're not even giving ourselves the time to stop, pause, get inspired, actually allow your imagination the freedom to determine what is it that it wants to create through you. And something that I found with all of these business people, Magic Johnson was one of the dreamers I interviewed. He talked about the importance of walking on the treadmill because he knew that's where he got his ideas, right? Oh my um, God, I love that you just said that. You see behind me what I have is treadmills. I do the podcast oh, on treadmills. You do? <laughs> yes, that's what in person because I'm a huge, I believe that too. Me and Magic are like in sync. I get my best ideas on the treadmill. I think that it is a great way to really focus and also cognitively you know, your brain creatively gets the be it gets your juices flowing. So I don't like to sit sedentary. I do the treadmill every day, but also I do the I do the the podcast on the treadmill. See? Ooh. Oh my God! I didn't know that those were treadmills behind you. So that means <laughs> Jennifer, you are already in tune and aware of your ideal dream environments. But in this first phase, I'm challenging the dreamer to give yourself that time to imagine. Um, a second thing that I tell you is I don't want you to start prematurely thinking about the how. One of the greatest killers of a dream is for you to start thinking about how too soon. Like you have to first let the inspiration come and actually allow your imagination to just run wild, run free. And there's going to be a point where we get to the how, but not too prematurely. In the dream phase, other things that I challenge is also really understanding your ideal dream environment. Jennifer, you seem to really know that your treadmill is a part of your, your secret magic uh, formula. Um, so that's something that I actually have the reader that you all will actually journal about to become aware. Do you know where you get your ideas? I get my ideas when I'm immersed in nature. A second thing that I challenge dreamers to do in this phase is actually study your dream ancestry. And this is very important. If you don't take the time to actually ask yourself, what were you taught about dreaming from your mother, your father, your grandparents? There's usually a dream DNA that can be found in the lineage of dreamers. And you need to identify with that because you need to know what's working for you and or what's working against you. An example here is my grandmother. What I was taught about dreaming, Jennifer, for my grandmother was you go and you get a good, good job, period. <laughs> yeah, me too. That was basically the same. Get an education and get a job and basically that and follow the linear line of like, then have two kids and then have this and have that very, very structured, what is supposed to be the good, 
way of living, right? Or like the what's considered to be a successful life, right? That's I'm Jewish. Like education is very important. (laughs) And there are so many people that are on the path, but if you've never taken the time to actually study what were you taught about dreaming, then you can't analyze what beliefs are you taking from your family history that's supporting you, but what beliefs will you have to actually release that won't support you going forward in the direction of the dream? So I I actually have you spend a lot of time on that. I did that personally as well, Jennifer. I was working a great job at IBM Global Services, and I realized I had no passion for the job at all. And I took a big, bold step to leave that job and actually move in the direction of passion and purpose. Um, I love that. You know, I was going to ask you about that. I want, you know what, that's a question and and, and an area I wanted to to, uh, focus on later on because you did... You, you, you didn't become a marketer. You didn't start this on a linear path. You were doing something different and you made a pivot because of a professor, which I'm going to ask, we're going to talk about. I heard you speak okay. about that on something else. And I, I thought that was fantastic. But what you did say, what I think is very interesting is the time piece, because I, I, I think especially now in a time of a lot of social media, we have a lot of information coming our way. We're inundated, but yet we... Um, we don't, our our brains are so busy, like trying to filter things and see this and our attention spans are so limited, even more so than ever. I I saw a study recently that said that, you know, in the last 15 years, our attention span has went from like, I think it used to be like 16 seconds down to like seven seconds or something insane like that, like a a minute or, or something crazy. But, um, how do people find the time or would you tell people when say they say to you, but Tanisha, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to dream because I have kids. I have a work. I don't have time to, you know, even like blow my nose. How am I going to have time to dream? Right. So what I'm going to do is actually tell them to go to the big and download and time audit exercise that is available for no cost. Um, and the first thing I'm going to tell all listeners that's if you if that's your excuse that you don't have time is I want you to do this time audit. And essentially what I'm going to have you do in that time audit mm-hmm. is log all of your time for a period of time. I think I start you out with like seven days and then I want you to go back and actually pay attention to where are you spending your time? And then you have to do a negotiation with yourself to say, where am I going to get my time back for me? Um, I did this exercise before with a mother and she was also a working executive. And she was I was working with her on a dream to write a book. And when she did this time audit exercise, she actually came back to me. And I think she started out with only 30 minutes that she could carve out from 11.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. And I mean, this was like after working, after putting the kids to sleep, doing what she had to do, major executive, but she really wanted to do this dream. She took those 30 minutes and over a period of time, she used those 30 minutes to write the outline for the book to then eventually turn it into a proposal. Did it take a longer time? Yes. But she was aware of what time she was dedicating to her dream. That's amazing idea. That's a fantastic idea. And I think that a lot of times 
it's like calories, right? People don't realize how many calories they're eating a day, right? Because they're hidden. Yeah. You're like, I don't know. All I had was a salad. Meanwhile, that salad had like 5,000 calories because you're not counting the cheese and the croutons. Same thing with time. I think when people maybe look at their day and they're super, super busy, they'll notice that they're like watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Or like they're like curling their hair for 45 minutes when, you know, they can put their hair in a ponytail or whatever it is. Like they're... There's ways to you that you can see visually if you actually like you actually do something like where you write it down and you see it in front of you. That is a really good idea. I really love yeah. that. Yeah. And then you can bargain with yourself. Okay, which one? Netflix binge watch or dream? Mm -hmm. And you can borrow the time back from yourself or reallocate the time and make it work for you in the direction of your dreams. So, because I was going to say to you that the, the, my my follow up was, what do you tell people when they don't have a dream? Like they kind of know they don't want to be doing what they're doing, but they don't really know if they should go, you know, right or left. Is that where the time piece comes really? It, it's, it becomes so important because you can figure that out. Or is there anything else you can suggest for people who don't really know? They know they don't want to be doing what they're doing but how they can figure out where they, what, what their dream is? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing that I would say is I want them to take a big woosah because it's, it feels like pressure to all of a sudden, you need to know what's your purpose for your life or you need to know what's your big dream. Here's the thing I found, I know this personally, which I'll tell you when we start talking about that story, Oftentimes, you may not know what the ultimate answer is going to be. But if you're willing to, number one, be curious, um, almost do a self-analysis on yourself and ask yourself, what are the passion areas? Like, what are the things that you would do for no fee? Um, what are the things? And you don't have to connect the dots logically at first. Um, become self-aware to understand what are your passions? What are you interested in? After you do that exercise, then I'm going to challenge you to be curious. Do research. Okay, maybe someone jotted down, you know what? I love um, designing homes, like interior designs. My mom would be great at this exercise. She watches hours of HGTV, <laughs> right? And so when you're curious, Google, like what are all the careers in interior design? Maybe you find one or two that you research and just being curious will open different pathways for you. It can open different opportunities. And so be okay with knowing that it's a journey of discovery. And sometimes you won't have like a perfect match. For me, when I left IBM Global Services, here's what I knew. I knew that I was on the wrong bus and the wrong seat. Talk about like right people, right seats. I was on the wrong bus, wrong seat, going in wrong direction. That's what I knew. I didn't know where I was supposed to be going, but I knew where I was going was not right for me. I started with this internal exercise. I wrote fashion down. I mean, I was spending my whole check on clothes at the time. That's not the case anymore. I wrote fashion. I wrote entertainment. I wrote culture. I wrote community. I allowed myself to then follow the interest area. In fashion, I researched all of these different people. I actually started reaching out to do informational interviews. 
And that's another thing. You'll be surprised. People will not turn you down to do an informational interview. At, but now you ask for like 15 to 20 minutes of their time. Don't do like a whole hour if you don't know them. But I found that like fashion stylists would meet with me and make a long story short, I ended up landing an opportunity to volunteer on a movie set as a costume stylist. And at the end of that movie set, the lead fashion designer told me, you have a great personality. We love your energy here, but I don't think this is the path for you, Tanisha. And I was so disappointed. I said, why not? And they said, we've never had a fashion stylist on set organize all of the clothing in a spreadsheet by color. It's like more of a creative thing, but you're the way your brain works. Yeah. And so I discovered I was I, I became closer to my purpose by discovering what it wasn't. So sometimes it's a process of elimination. But even if you're just willing to move in that direction, you're moving on the right path. I could not agree with you more. This is like you're singing my song right now. I totally agree with you. Um, I I think also what you said one time when I was researching you a bit that really like struck a chord with me too is the volunteer aspect, but you just, cause you just talked about that yeah. in today's time. Like it, you, people don't look at volunteering as like a sexy thing anymore. Like, or like their time is too valuable or God forbid I, I, I volunteer. No one wants to volunteer, but volunteering is an amazing way to see, if that's really a path or an area that you should be going down, because at the end of the day, you don't really know what you don't know. And to your point with the, with the fashion, you know, in your brain, you thought it was one thing, but then until you did it and you figured it out, you were like, no, this, maybe this isn't the right thing for me. So volunteering information, these are, and these are all things that people are more than willing to, if you call somebody up and you say, hey, I want to volunteer, no one's going to, no, very few people are going to turn down free help, right? I won't call me, you know, Jennifer, so many people, and especially now, like it's, it's almost unheard of that you're talking to people about the power of service and the power of volunteering mm -hmm. hands down. If you were to ask me like in my toolbox, what were your top three tools that you utilize to change the trajectory of your career, volunteering by far would be in my top three. So number one, I told you about being, you know, pitching myself to that, the, to the movie fashion director. And I landed an opportunity to work on a movie set, which by the way, I did that while working at IBM Global Services. I knew where I could reallocate the time. I learned what the purpose wasn't. Fast forward, you know, of maybe a year or so later, I actually pitched myself to Kimora and Russell Simmons, and I asked, can I volunteer in exchange for an opportunity to learn? That pitch, you know, I call it a pitch, you know, people totally, say yeah. volunteer or whatever, but that pitch changed my life because I was allowed the opportunity to volunteer at Rush Communications. And I learned so much about community, culture, entertainment. I later um, went from a volunteer to general manager of Rush Communications, and then later took all of that information, which is now very much so a part of our core offerings at my marketing firm. But if you trace it all back, it started with a willingness 
to volunteer in exchange for an opportunity to learn. I I could not. I'm, again, I it's, you're like you're you're singing my song. So this is what the question I have because I could not agree with you more. How do you? Because obviously you're very ambitious, right? You have to have uh, a drive and ambition to do that thing. I mean, cause that's because to me this makes it's like you're speaking my language. It makes perfect sense to me. Do you believe that you can teach drive or you can teach ambition? Because a lot of people don't love their spot in life, but they don't want to do the work to get to where they need to go. Oh, my God. So first of all, Jennifer, no one has ever asked me that question. This is such a good interview. Um, Do I believe you can teach drive and ambition? So I'm going to give one of those answers that you probably don't like. That's like, uh, so (laughs) I think you can help a person actually tap into a drive that maybe is lying dormant that they do not know is there. I do think you can coach someone into that. One of the major ways that I would say do that is getting that person in tune with what is it costing you to not be driven? Like, what is it costing you to not be more Mm -hmm. ambitious? And then the question that I always ask myself is what version of myself will I not get to meet in this lifetime if I don't keep going and going and going? I want to meet every version of myself and I'm changing every single day. So I wanted to meet the CEO. I wanted to meet the author. I want to meet the philanthropist. I want to meet the um, the global international thought leader, which I haven't met her yet, but I want to meet her. And so I want to meet every version of myself in this lifetime. It's not going to happen with me just sitting doing nothing. I got to push and drive and fight to meet the best me. And so I do think you can inspire or coach an individual into how do you harness your inner drive. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, at the end of the day, we can coach, we can push. The person that it's going to boil down to is the person that's looking at you in the mirror. And if you're unwilling to be more ambitious for that person, or you're unwilling to tap into that drive, all of the coaching in the world. I mean, you use the diet analogy, or I mean, it's like yeah. working out with a trainer. I, you know, listen, I, honestly, I'm laughing to myself now because I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm talking to myself in this interview. I mean, I could, I agree with you. I mean, I really don't believe that's a good answer. I don't think I'm going it, to, it's because it's a hard question. Cause I do believe that you can inspire someone, but the problem I have with motivate, you can't, people always ask like, how do you get, you know, what about motivation? Motivation to me is, is a silly, is a silly term because People don't stay motivated. It's not a long-term yeah. fix. It's a it's a very short-term fix. Now, you know, I think, you know, with to you, you just said, you can be inspired, but if someone in themselves are not, don't want it, you can't, you can't, it's, it's okay. Well, then that's, it's, it's on them, you know? So, mm-hmm. but I, I, I really, I like that. Um, can you talk then about, because I think this can help people too, figuring out what type of dreamer they are, because maybe that can help them figure out what what path to go on or what area 
focus on. So, um, and I'm so excited. I mean, you're just, I'm loving spending this time with you. So Jennifer, one of the areas that, so for all of the listeners, if you go over to thebigstretch.com, there is a dreamer's profile assessment. I'm going to tell you why it's important to take this. So in doing my conference, The Dream Project, I started to notice that people would come up to me and actually feel guilty if they did not identify with what they perceived the dreamer's path was. And in many cases, Mm -hmm. it was an entrepreneur. So I would actually have people come to me and say, you know, I just don't think I have the guts to start my own business. And then almost look at me like, man, I'm not a dreamer. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go a bit deeper into supporting people to understand your dream path is as unique as you are. And it's not like a right size fix fit, fits all. Um, everyone is not meant to be an entrepreneur. I have a friend, she needs to get a W-2 and she needs to get her paycheck on the 1st and 15th. She's no less than a dreamer than myself who's been on an entrepreneur journey for 18 years. And sometimes society will make you think if you're not on the entrepreneur path, then maybe you you know, don't have what it takes to be a dreamer, especially on Instagram when everybody's like looking like they're doing, you know, whatever. Totally, so, totally true. <laughs> so this profile assessment, when you take it, there's five different types. Um, and even when you take it, I do want you to know you may end up realizing that you identify with multiple types. So one is, um, and I'm going to start here, a careerpreneur. A careerpreneur is someone who really works extremely well in structure. They thrive working on teams. They enjoy working in structured environments. But for them, they really want to map a profession and purpose together. They need to have more meaning in their career. And I've worked with amazing careerpreneurs that are driving like major impact in the world and we need them there. So that's one dreamer type. The second one is the make it happen dreamer. So the make it happen dreamer, that is that entrepreneur type that I I, um, was talking about. This is someone that you will meet and they don't do well in structure. They do not do well with people telling them what to do, Um, but they usually have a high tolerance for risk. And so they can stomach if that check doesn't come on the 1st and 15th, a, a little bit more than someone who like will go just completely crazy if the 15th comes and the and the check isn't there. My husband is a make it happen dreamer. Um, another one is a hobby dreamer. I have a dreamer that I work with and she was so honest with me. She said, Tanisha, I need you to understand my professional career affords me an extremely good lifestyle. And it really did. She said, do I like it? No. Do I love the lifestyle? Absolutely. Will I trade the benefits of the lifestyle? No. But I want to try to figure out how do I nurture my passion? So for her, we figured out that she was passionate about fashion, fitness, and travel. And she started this blog, just nurturing her passion. And she's what I call a hobby dreamer. Well, later that passion led to her becoming a Chicago-based influencer, and she started to get gigs and paid and trips all by following her passion. 
So that's a hobby dreamer. You want to nurture your passion, but you do not want to put the responsibility of your passion to take care of you. So you might mm -hmm. like, like painting, right? Mm -hmm. But you have responsibilities and you don't want to say, okay, I don't want to put the responsibility of painting to take care of me and my family. So that's right. a hobby dreamer. The CEO dreamer is someone who you potentially have worked in corporate for a number of years, but you've always wondered, do I have what it takes to one day take all of my skills and venture out and do my own thing? You're usually able to take your skills that you have from your career and it's a transferable career and you are able to then branch out and do your own thing. And the last one is the activist dreamer. An activist dreamer is someone that will see a problem in the world and they must do something about it. These are, you know, nonprofit leaders. These are leaders of, of um, societal issues and movements. And I found that some people will see a problem in the world and they must act. Um, and so, and they are willing to dedicate their life and dream to it. So those are the five types. I want you to go and take the test. You might identify with maybe one to two. And Jennifer, I can't wait. I want to know what dreamer type were you? You know, okay, that's funny because when you were talking about it, I feel like I would be the one that your husband is. The um, make it happen. Dreamer. Make it happen. But it was the CEO one that I got. The CEO dreamer. So, and I think did you before doing this career? Did you work somewhere? I did. Yeah, I worked, I was in the music business, I was in the sports world. Um, and now I like, I, I started my own companies and I sold companies. But so, but like, I never, I think why I got the CEO one, because there's a couple questions that I, I think I'm a creature of habit and I love, ha like I'm very routine based. Uh, so maybe that threw them off, but I only like that for myself. Like, so like my morning routine or my evening routine, like I'm a big person who believes that you have, you have routine and ritual in place so you can be as productive and as on point as possible, which is why exercise is a big one for me because it gets my mind revved up and I'm much more alert, but yet I don't like routine when it comes to dealing with people. So like, I'm very much an autonomous person. I like to call the shots in a certain way. So I think that's why there was a lot of like yeah. differences. Like I, I'm like a total, yeah. Like I'm not organized with spreadsheets and, and, and it, that doesn't work for me, but um, yeah. So that's, so you're like, a hybrid, but I'm a hybrid make it happen and a CEO dreamer. I can totally see that. Yeah. I'm a hybrid for sure. Uh, but I like the test. And it's, this is the thing. So, you know, I come back to this, like, you know, because now people, I love that time audit thing we talked about. So let's say people now are getting closer to understanding where, what they want to do or where they go and whatever else between the, you know, between taking the dream test, the time auditing. And now what's the next step? Like, when are they supposed to implement and how do they implement? So... Once you have been out in what I call like the creative world where you're exploring and you're learning and you're thinking about your past and you've taken the test and, and maybe now you have something that you know you want to move towards. We're going to move you from the dream phase into phase number two, which is design. And design is really where you have to 
then apply structure to the creative process. And so, for example, um, let I'm going to just throw a goal out there. Um, let's go back to the fashion. I don't know why fashion keeps coming up, <laughs> but maybe you have determined that you would like to identify a career in the fashion industry. You figure that out in the dream phase, right? The design phase is having you apply structure. And so I'd like to start from a year basis. What is the one year goal that you want to achieve as it relates to this dream? Now, the example that I'm using, let's say that the one year goal is I will have landed a job in the fashion industry over a 12 month period. So again, you're taking that vision and then you zone in on one component of what is the one thing you want to achieve in this dream in 12 months. Then I ask you, in order to achieve that part of the vision in 12 months, what would need to start happening today? And it allows you to start breaking it down into achievable parts. And so, and I'd like you to break it down into achievable parts over 90 days. This is what we do in, in my company. It's what a lot of major companies do. They're taking it quarter by quarter. Right. And so if the ultimate goal is to land that career in the fashion industry, then potentially you, in let's say in the 90 days, you're researching up to 20 job opportunities a week. Um, you are sending LinkedIn notices to recruiters up to 10 a week. You are committed to at least going on a minimal of two interviews a month and you will meet a new person um, from networking. You know, maybe you say one to five a month. And so what you're doing is you're breaking that down in order to do it. What actions need to happen today? to help me realize that dream. And if you do that, you'll start to map in these 90 day actionable plans. Now it's very important. You probably noticed Jennifer that I quantified. It can't be vague. You gotta be able to hold yourself accountable. It needs to be measurable. So that's why I was saying mm -hmm. like 20 interviews or 20 networks or three interviews a month, whatever that may be, you need to make it measurable so you're holding yourself accountable. And that's where you actually start getting traction. More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsor. Entrepreneurs are always on the lookout for effective new techniques and ideas to level up their capabilities. But sometimes, as optimized as we want our personal and professional lives to be, it's our tech that holds us back. In this age of remote work, that has never been more true. Introducing Samsung's Galaxy Z Fold 3 5G, a powerful foldable device that is opening up a new world of mobile productivity, giving you greater flexibility to get business done. The Galaxy Z Fold is not just a phone. Open it out and it becomes a tablet with an edge-to-edge 7.6-inch -edge screen. Connect it wirelessly to a smart monitor or a TV, and it delivers a PC-like computer experience. You can even flex the Galaxy Z Fold 3 so it stands upright on its own while you video conference hands-free. In tablet mode, you can use multi-active window to work across three apps simultaneously. An optimized life deserves an optimized mobile device. 
With Galaxy Z Fold 3, entrepreneurs get a three-in-one powerhouse designed to make multitasking easy and seamless at work, at home, and everywhere in between. Learn more at samsung.com slash galaxy Z for work. That's samsung.com slash galaxy Z for work. Yeah, I was going to say something about that. I mean, this is what happened. Okay, so this is, I got two questions for you. People will then be like at phase two, say, I'm just playing devil's advocate. They'll say, uh, I don't know how to make an action plan. I've never done this before. And then they like, kind of like oh, get overwhelmed and freak out and, and then they don't do it. There's no action, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, because people will get stuck in phase one. Mm-hmm. How do you help them create the action plan or, because the hardest part, like to me, an object in motion stays in motion. Once you're doing something, it's easier to keep on going. But if you have no idea how to even mm-hmm. create an action plan, you're like, you're screwed. Then you're like, just kind of like sitting there and like, I don't know. And that's mm-hmm. where people then also, because of their own self-doubt and insecurity, will get very upset with the idea of failure. And then they'll, they'll just not do anything. So a few things. One, um, and I think it's such a valid point, like of, of getting paralyzed when you say you don't know how to make a plan. Number one, we're going to take that excuse away and let's assume that I'm going to give you some basic tools right now that will support you in doing that. I actually have a downloadable template. Oh my gosh, nine- <laughs> you have everything on that website. Oh it is, it is uh, on bigstreckbook.com and you want to go through the exercises and download the template that says 90 day action plan. You didn't know I was going to come in with all of this stuff, right? No, you have an answer and, for everything. You're like, what do you mean? I have a free time audit. What do you mean? I have a free action plan. You just follow this. What do you mean? I can give you a job. Just call my office at 555. <laughs> now, now, that I can't do, but I can do a lot of other stuff. So in, inside of this, I actually walk you through some basic questions. And sometimes you got to know, like, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And so seriously. It can be as basic, and I'm not doing the questions verbatim from the book. I'm just talking from my heart right now. But seriously, it can be as simple as write down the vision that you see for yourself, you know, the, the dream and the vision. Write that down, right? And then the next step is what part of that vision do you want to achieve in 12 months? And like give yourself the time. What is it that you want to achieve? in one year from today. Those are easy ones. We're going to let you answer that. Then answer what actions must take place in order for me to achieve that 12-month goal. There's no right or wrong to this. And that's another thing. If It's progress and not perfection. That's what one of my coaches always tell me. If you're trying to make the perfect plan, there's no such thing as a perfect plan. Right. I am so grateful to God that we wrote our 2020 plan in pencil. If we didn't write our 2020 business plan in pencil, I wouldn't have a business right now. It was written in pencil. When a pandemic hit, everything that I thought was going to happen went out the door. I had to take the eraser, erase and find a new path. And so to the listeners, there's no perfect plan. But at least if you start designing from 
at least the goal in mind and breaking it down into achievable parts. Ultimately, I just want to see you in action toward that goal. Does that yeah. make sense? Ab- absolutely. And I, and I love that you said uh, about the, I, I heard you say that before about the pencil, because, you know, plans, you know, what is that saying? Like you make a plan and, you know, God laughs, we make a plan, right? Because yeah. things, you have to be able to pivot. And like a lot of people like you, you're a business owner um, and you had to do major pivots in 2020, I'm sure, right? To be- Oh to, my goodness. Right? So many. <laughs> I, so, it was, I learned a whole new level of like tenacity that I and, and grit that me, along with my leaders that we had, like we, we were stronger than we knew. Right. And, and so I'm glad that I, I wanted to, I was going to ask you anyway, like to you, in your opinion, what are some of the main, like some, some big qualities or important necessary qualities it is for someone to be a business owner and an entrepreneur. We talked about earlier how a lot of people, you know, when they take the test and they realize maybe they're not cut out for the entrepreneurial life, but they're more for something else from what you've noticed. Um, what would you say the top three skills are besides being a risk taker and being okay with not getting a paycheck? What would you say they are? I think an entrepreneur has to be a visionary. And so you, and you, you really need to be able to potentially see what does not exist as clearly as if it does exist. And even if you're the only person that can see it, you need to be able to grasp that vision. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And that's important because when you get that vision, not only do you need that vision, you got to enroll others in the vision. If you want to start hiring people, if you want to go um, sell a business plan, you got to be able to paint that picture for others. If you need to go get credit at a bank, like you need to be able to articulate that vision and believe in that vision that you can enroll others in it. That's number one. The second thing would be, um, I I call it the dream warrior. You gotta be a fighter, like seriously. Like you gotta be a fighter. Um, There's not, again, every dreamer I know is a fighter. At some point, you're gonna have to fight the giant of rejection, the giant of no, the giant of lack of resources. Last year, the giant of a global pandemic. Like when the hits come, if you're going to let one or two hits take you out, like entrepreneur, you take those hits. And, and sometimes so I, there, I've had some hits, Jennifer, that knocked the wind out of me and put For me sure. in the bed, you know, a couple days. But the thing is, after those two days, I had to get up. Like you got to keep getting up. You got to fight in the name of that dream. That's important. And I don't think people talk about it enough, honestly. Um, and then the last one would be daring. Like you, 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 um, you gotta go for it. Like you gotta, you gotta be bold and, and daring. And, you know, when I moved to New York from Minneapolis at the time, I didn't know a soul here. I knew my dream was here, but I, I didn't know anyone. That was a big, daring, bold move. Um, for somebody who's originally from Alabama. And that's just one daring move. There's probably been thousands of daring moves in the name of the dream. 
No, I think that's amazing. And what would you say, how, do, how would you tell people to embrace failure? Because failure is a part of it, no matter what your dream is, no matter what you're going after, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, personally, whatever. What do you talk, how do you, because it's, it's, it's inevitable. What do you, well, how, oh, go right ahead. No, no, please go ahead. Well, first off, I want to challenge you to, um, change your definition of failure. So if you look it up in, in Webster, I'm sure it says something like to not succeed or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look it yeah. up, but I'm sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And so change your definition and actually embrace and view failure as one of your greatest teachers. Um, there's my greatest lessons as an entrepreneur. It didn't come because you told me, Jennifer, or it didn't come because I read it in a book. My greatest lessons, it came because I failed and the lesson was so hard that I got it. And then that's how I learned. And then I took, okay, that didn't work. And now I know it doesn't work. I'll never do that again. Let me reapply and go forward. And then I always ask myself questions around what did it teach you? Like, how can you reapply these key learnings to make you stronger or better or make your business stronger and better? Um, so yeah, you got to look at failures great teachers. Yeah. They're, they're so, the hard teachers. They are. But I, at least again, you know, I agree with you. Uh, and so in terms of, let's talk about your, your company a little bit, the Agami group, that's how you call it, right? Agami, yeah. Agami group. Yeah. I want to talk about, um, lessons learned from 2020. I think that's really important because you've learned a lot what you've, and then I want to talk to you about marketing a little bit, cause that's what your company does. Right. So, yeah. What are the lessons that you did learn as an entrepreneur working and like having to keep afloat in 2020? Were there big ones? I'm sure there were. Yes. And some <laughs> of the things we've already, some of the themes we've actually already started to hit. First and foremost, um, you must have a plan, but make sure you have the plan in pencil. Mm -hmm. I think the companies that remain too fixed and weren't willing to um, pivot or find new ways fast. Some of, and not all of them, but some of those, unfortunately, um, were, were left behind. And so, you know, there were so many things coming so fast, Jennifer, from there were, there was one week. I got so many calls from clients saying, Tanisha, I'm sorry, but we got to cancel the contract mm -hmm. or put your contract on hold. So we went from, like a quarter, because it was March, right? So yeah. we, we're like, yes, we're starting the year like never before to like everything being dried up. And so in that moment, that required great pivots. Um, and, and some of those was like, what are the resources out here? Yeah. Who do we need to talk to? What did you do? Um, yeah, like what did you do? So I some of the things that, yeah. Some of the things that I did is I surrounded myself with like-minded individuals. So other CEOs of mm -hmm. marketing, and advertising agencies. And I made myself vulnerable to say, hey, these are the hits I just took in the last 72 hours. Are you taking them? Wow. And they said, yep, got those same calls. What are you doing? And like, we did a lot of best practice sharing 
in real time or um, or what I would call problem solving in real time in a think tank group. Potentially, maybe we could do this, you know, rather than do layoffs, you know, maybe you we can just put our team on hold. Like, you know, we just- What did you do? How many people do you have work? How many employees do you guys have at Igami Group? So we have over 30 employees and I didn't, we didn't do any layoffs. So I didn't do any layoffs. I will tell you, you know, some of my advisors and um, and some of the companies that I was working with in that think tank, yeah, some did tell me release employees immediately because you yeah. know, basically, you you know your margins are going to take such a great hit. This is where, as an entrepreneur, sometimes you got to trust your gut. Something told me I wasn't going to do that. I was going to protect my our team by any means necessary. Um, and but we had to get other resources. We got the PPP the first yeah. round. The first time, all of these other entrepreneurs I knew they got it, and I had. I heard no like two or three times, Jennifer, and I just kept going back and back and back. Yeah, I was so frustrated. But then we finally got it. Um, and Good, so yeah. it was just so that was one thing. The second thing we talked that too, that that being resourceful every single day. And so like literally thinking of new ways every single day. So I would challenge myself based upon what the biggest problem was of that day. I would then brainstorm what are five possible things that we can do to solve for that problem. Um, and it was all kinds of things like well, the first and foremost was how do we engage with our clients? Yeah. <laughs> and we moved everything virtually like the world. Right. Um, the second thing was um, being willing to change our working model. You know, before the pandemic, I wanted everybody to come into the office and all this good stuff. People wanted to be with their families. And so we changed our working model to say, go be wherever you, you feel safe. If you want to be with your family, go there. Um, so just little things like that, just being resourceful every single day. I think also there's another lesson when things get really hard, and that is uh, what I would call the power of surrender. So there's a there's something that I say, you can do everything you can in your own strength, but it comes a time when you have to release it and say, I've done my best. And like, however this plays out, this is how it plays out. For me, when I do that surrender, I also pray and say, God, I've done everything that I can do, hands off, whatever your will is, just let it be done. And so the power of surrender was really big um, during that moment because there was so many things happening so fast that we couldn't troubleshoot them all, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What have you, I'm, I'm curious in terms of like the business now going, now that we're kind of transitioning out of the pandemic and you are a marketing advertising agency, have, what have you seen have been like, how, how has the business changed marketing wise? Well, a few things. Number one, who knew that 2020 would end up being one of our best years ever? So, you know, in March, wow. when we were in the fight and just like, ah, you know, I woke up by the third or fourth quarter and realized we were having the best year ever. Um, How? So, um, so a few things, depending upon what categories you were serving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it just so happens um, one of our biggest clients is a consumer packaged good client. And so that's things like paper towel and, and mm. soap and um, shampoo. And so oh, yeah. Oh, God. yeah, one of the biggest <laughs> things is we weren't going anywhere. So consumers were consuming like never before. In the yes. pandemic. And, and that's across many categories, not just consumer packaged goods. But if you take a look at everything, like I went to go buy a hot tub and the hot tub was sold out for nine months and it's still not there. And I, I said, what's going on? And they said, everybody's like you, like they're they're out of their mind and they're, they're bored. They're not going anywhere and they want to just do something. And so, <laughs> totally. and so um, everything's on back order for like a year. You're getting year. it like, you're getting it like after the pandemic. It's unbelievable, unbelievable to me. Oops, let me hear. So for our business, that just worked out because we're helping clients market to consumers. Yeah. And that's, and so what is, okay. So other than that though, what are the biggest driving forces for marketing? How are people, are you now, are, are companies now spending most of their marketing dollars online with social media? How are people converting products? Like, what do you do there with your company? Are you doing that mostly? Like, so our company specializes in connecting um, Fortune 100 and 40, Fortune 50 brands to diverse audiences. And so mm. those are segments like Blacks, Latinx, Asian Pacific American. And so they're coming to us with, with a focus. Right. And so first and foremost, something that's very important as marketers is you need to take time <clears throat> to understand the insights to who you're targeting to. And so for us, we call that cultural insights. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time doing almost like a translation for clients to help them understand a certain segment. Like here is what a day in the life of a black millennial mom looks like. Here's her interests. Here's her habits. Here's her behaviors. Here's her values. Here's where she consumes information and data. And so by understanding those things first, once you understand those, then you can build an informed marketing plan to reach that particular target. But you, you can't do that without taking the time to understand. So to answer your question on like, are we telling people to go on IG or on social media or to uh, an event or, you know, or an experience. It really varies depending upon what the insights are telling us about the behaviors of whoever we're targeting. And so it, it really does vary. So, you know, in some cases, um, I'll tell a brand, you know, from a social media perspective, I won't tell them, my digital team will, let me clarify that. Yeah. So, you need your, your prime social um, driver should be IG. In some cases, it's Facebook for a completely different reason. Um, or in some cases, we help clients know these are the events and spaces that you need to show up at if you want to authentically connect with this audience. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really all driven by research and insights. So, so what I like about this is that also you have a very, you have a niche in the market, right? So you're not just like a one size fits all, which I feel, and maybe I'm wrong, but in your world, it's, you have a better chance of success when you are 
a special, you're, you're like a master of one, not a jack of all trades, right? Because then people know you're the go-to for this particular thing. And you can be exceptionally good in that area versus trying to like do a little bit of everything and kind of like hodgepodge it together. Now, were you always this? Were you guys always a diverse, um, a marketing company that kind of specialized in this for 13? I know you've been around what, for 13 years? 14 or? years. Yeah. Oh, 14 years. Okay. We specialize from the very beginning. Um, yeah, and I, I can't tell you. I, I can't tell you that it was like this great wisdom that told me to do it. I think we chose what I knew we would be good at. Right. And, mm -hmm. and just the other day I was at a client and they wanted to know, they said, okay, tell me if I had to sum up, what's your superpower? Give me your superpower in a couple words, because that's what I need to like walk through the halls of this corporation. Essentially, Jennifer, that procurement person was saying what you're saying, like, what are you known for? And it's better to be very, very good going deep versus trying to go so wide that you're not necessarily any one thing because you're trying to be so many things. I recommend going deep and specializing and focus um, versus trying to go too wide. I, I just had a friend call me and she was looking for a grief therapist and she interviewed a grief therapist and she said that the person actually lost credibility with her when they said, oh, yeah, I can also be your fitness trainer, too. And that's not to say you can't be Are you serious. <laughs> yeah. So it's not to say you can't be multiple things, but it turned my friend off but she, because she's like, I, I really need you to be deep in this area. It, you know, and so anyway. That, that's no, just, I, no uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm smiling because it's a very like, it's a, it's a catch 22, right? Because, uh, you know, not to compartmental, like, you know, I think it's human nature and psychologically when we hire somebody, we want to know that they're like, they're like an expert in that particular thing. And I think it becomes very brand confusing when you're like, I could be a fitness trainer, but I also could be a grief therapist. And I can also, you know, I'm also a chef, you know, at, at night and I can be a nurse. Like, I think people feel much as a, as a client or a customer, you always feel, even if it's like subconscious, more comfortable knowing that I got like an expert in that one area. Yeah. The, the, the catch 22 is, you know, like there's a lot of people, I think I'm included in this, that like, I, I'm a kind of a chameleon, you know, I can be really good. I'm very bad at almost everything, but I'm very good at three or four things. So I can like pivot. So it's, that's why, again, even when, when you're trying to find somebody's dream or you're trying to find someone's like true purpose, it can get confusing because you could have more than one thing that you really have a passion with. And then what then you, so it, it's hard to know, do you specialize because it's easier to make a living probably in that way and, and, and flourish, or if you kind of like dabble in a few things, like what, what to do, you know, I'm just so thinking I, out I loud. Definitely, I definitely don't want you to think that, you know, you are linear and you can't have these multiple dimensions that I don't want any listener to think that, but I will caveat that never underestimate the power of focusing in totally on the one thing during the season that you're supposed to focus on the one thing. 
right? And so idea people, especially visionaries, someone gave me this idea, I mean, this analogy before. They said, imagine that there's a house and there's a bunch of people just running around in the house. Okay, the house is your mind. The people are ideas. And imagine if all of the ideas tried to get through the door at one time. Could 10 people go through the door at one time? Or would they need to line up and go out one at a time? That helped me with like, oh, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do this. That helped me say, okay, you know what? There's five big ideas in my head right now, but here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to let this idea come to life first. I'm going to let this idea come to life second. And even when doing that, one of the biggest things that my advice, well, one of my business advisors probably told me for three years is, Tanisha, we need you to focus. Tanisha, we need you to focus. Tanisha, we need you to focus. And it took me a while to get the power of focusing. Yeah, no, I, 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 I understand that. Now, you, you've said a few times in this interview, uh, my advisor or this coach, how important do you think it is for somebody to have an advisor or a coach if they are trying to, I hate the word level up, but kind of like achieve their goals? I started being extremely intentional about surrounding myself with advisors maybe about six or seven years ago. And the reason why I did this is I had a moment that I realized I've taken this dream and I do have multiple dreams, but this particular dream of Igami Group, I've taken it as far as I can take it with the knowledge that is accessible to me today. So if there is a burning desire to take it further, I have to expand the knowledge that is available to me today. I chose the expansion route through advisors. Maybe you can take the expansion route by going back to school, or maybe you can take the expansion route by listening to great podcasts like Jennifer's <laughs> podcast, whatever it may be. Sometimes you, you need to realize when you need additional resources and tools. And so it was just me hitting a wall and I had plateaued from a growth perspective, a revenue perspective. And, and I think my experiences at that time, I hit the ceiling. And so what I did was find people that had traveled the path that I desired to travel and try to form relationships with them. Some more of like a mentor capacity, some even in a business paid advisor capacity right. to form those relationships, to infuse new levels of knowledge that would help me break through the ceiling that I was hitting at the time. Right. No, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm just curious because I know a lot of uh, people I know who are exceptionally successful, they, you know, they're constantly want to grow and kind of be better. And a lot of times you need people even to bounce ideas off of and yeah. keep you, you know, to keep you accountable or, or like make you think in a different way. So they have advisors or they even have like performance coaches and all sorts of things. So I was wondering because you mentioned you you mentioned it a couple times, so I, I wanted to ask you about that. And then I I wanted to end with the story or about your professor of how when you were taking when you were in school, and what he taught you, 
So, because I liked it, I thought it was very well. You tell. I, I don't need to say it. You're 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 here. <laughs> okay. Well, you all already heard that I was working at the amazing company of IBM, and everybody yes. should know IBM was a good company. It was just the wrong seat for me. When I had the aha that it was the wrong career, I thought I could fix it by trying to make more money. And so, one of the only ways that I could make more money is if I went back to school to get my master's. So I go back to get my master's and there is a professor, which I wish I could find him one day. His name was Professor Charlie Bison. And one of the assignments he gave us was to examine the major decisions in our life and what was the driving factors and forces behind those decisions. He pushed us to not stay surface level and to really go deep. And I took the assignment really serious. And I had, you know, at that point in life, because I was you know, still, I wasn't that far along in my career. But at that point in life, I had made a few major decisions. And I kept digging deep. And the commonality behind all of the major decisions that I had made up until that point in life was all tied to earning potential. And so I even asked myself deeper, why, why, you know, is, why is, why is money in the driver's seat of your major choices going deeper? I really thought about the struggles, um, that I encountered or witnessed, um, growing up and, and by no means, let me say it, it wasn't like struggle in a sense of, of, you know, I, I wasn't homeless or anything like that, but I, I definitely grew up in a home where money was a consideration, where it was more of a scarcity than an abundance mindset. And I had to make choices all the time around money. Turn the lights off because the light bill is going to be high. Which one do you want to go to? Because you can't do both. Pick one Christmas gift because you're not going to get all of them. Like it was so I, it was in my mind that there was it was a scarcity um, when it came to money. So that's why. I chose money to be in the driving seat unknowingly, right? I, I was I was really designing a life from a reactive place of what I didn't want to experience. And so once I got that awareness, it, I ended the paper by saying, I'm going to take the keys from money in the driver's seat. No longer will it be the driving force of my decision. And I want to see what would a life look like if I allow purpose and passion to lead the way? And that assignment was, it was everything. Um, that was the start of me going out on this dream journey that I'm talking to you about. Yeah. I know why I wanted to end with that is because I think a lot of people, you know, um, have either golden handcuffs or they just pick their, wherever they're doing based on, how much money they're making. And to me, um, success comes in all sorts of different ways and happiness. And at the end of the day, I know people who are gazillionaires and, and because of the, what they've done and they're not, they're not any happier. A lot of people, if you actually follow what you want to do, the, the money can sometimes even the money can come, 
But overall happiness, success to me is about being overall happy and content. If you have to go to work just because you're making a big paycheck, it doesn't make sense if you're miserable all the time. So I like that when people can like assess why they are doing what they're doing. And I like that story. So thank you for sharing it. (laughs) Well, thank you. No, thank you for coming on the podcast. I think I've asked you everything and, you know, I, 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 I agree with so many. I'm I'm so on your on your page with how you your perspective and how you how you think. So this was like I I loved it. <laughs> so I love I love your. <laughs> so I did you. too, and I'm totally coming to see you when I come to LA. Oh my god, I really hope so. Where do people find you? Give them give people your stuff so they can they know that they oh. can go on the website and they can find every downloadable you know, action item possible from the time audit to the <laughs> action plan. So big, is it big, it's bigstretch.com. So it's big, it's bigstretchbook.com. So that's okay. where all of those exercises are. Okay. And then where you can keep up with me is um, anywhere on social under Tanisha, T-E-N-E-S-H-I-A-J, like Jackson, Warner. So Tanisha J. Warner. Okay. And then when next time you come to LA, I don't know when you're coming, but I am definitely seeing you. Okay. Uh, yes. And then I just want to, I double check one thing. Cause I said it wrong for that website. It's the big stretch Yes. The big stretch And yes. it's very, it's a very good book. It's very valuable for people if they want to like reach their purpose and find their dreams. Obviously you give them a million practical ways and actually, it, it, besides just hiring them themselves or like giving them their opportunity, I mean, it's a great, a great resource. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. All right. I'll see you when I'm in L.A. I promise. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. OK, bye bye. Habits and hustle, time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind, don't stop, keep it going. Habits and hustle, from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle Podcast, powered by Habitnest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. 
Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.